So I'm sure that we all could identify with what David was going through in that moment. Um, You know what he's battling? He's battling temptation. Most of us know what it's like to uh, give in to temptation. Maybe one day open a door of curiosity. Maybe you just stumble upon something and you just go, oh, wow, this is curious. Look at this thing. And then uh, you engage this thing later to find out that this thing has more control over you than you have over it. You know, maybe you understand what it's like to give in to something and to realize later you just feel so guilty and ashamed. There's even some of us that, that know what it's like to open the door to something and to hope no one ever finds out. I hope no one ever finds out that I'm battling with this thing that I'm battling with. What would they think of me if they discovered that I have given in to that. Temptation is something that all of us deal with. It's, it's a, a common human affliction. If you've been fasting with us over the past week, I'm sure that you have battled your fair share of temptation this past week. Anybody identify with that? Okay, a few of you, yeah. Um, so if you've given up food of some sort, maybe you've seen way more food commercials than like you have ever seen in your life. And, and there's this huge temptation for, for that food issue. So um, one of the things, I'm giving up some food items, but one of them is, if you know me, you know I like Reese Cups. So I'm a big Reese Cup fan. So that was one of the things, sweets that I'm, I'm getting, uh, I've done away with during our fast together. I'm also doing meats and, and several other things. But we were yesterday down working at the Grace Community Food Pantry and doing some um, food items for them and some uh, repackaging of some boxes. And so open up one box and what does it have inside? Nothing but Reese cups. I'm going, Lord, what are you doing to me? Wow. And uh, you'd be proud of me. All the Reese cups are still in that box. I did not bring any home with me, even though I was tempted. So every time we go through a fast, um, God has almost the same conversation with me every year. And every year, I get the rumbly in my tummy, and I'm hungry, and I want to eat. And I start thinking about how I can eat and what I can eat. And God says, you know how much you pursue food? You know how much you think about food? You know how your whole calendar revolves around food? Like, we're gonna, what are we going to eat for breakfast? And sometimes before lunch, you're asking, hey, what are we doing for dinner? And then you have lunch, and then we're thinking about dinner, and then there's snacks that you're thinking about throughout the day. Like, you know how much you think about food? Like, I want you thinking about me that much. I want you to pursue me with that same passion and that same desire as you pursue food. And I think that's what God wants for all of us. He wants all of us to pursue him with, with a real passion He wants to be in our calendar as much as food is in our calendars. So when you think about your life, do you pursue God that much? Fasting is a great way for us to evaluate that and to, to look at our lives and say, God, where are you? Like, where have I put you in priority in my life? Have I like moved you out of your primary place Um, So fasting is a great way for us to explore that together. Now, we've got one week behind us, so way to go. And we've got one week to go. So hang in there. You can do it. Proud of you as you engage this ancient spiritual discipline. And if you need to make an adjustment in your fast, um, let's just say that this past week you've had no temptation. 
guess what? You didn't pick something big enough. So maybe this week you go, ah, maybe I need to change it just a little bit, pick something a little bit bigger. Or maybe, like we started this fast, you, we started talking about it and you were like, I'm doing this. I'm giving up all food, I'm giving up all drinks, like I'm, I'm giving up everything. I'm just going for this thing. Two weeks of nothing. Like maybe like your eyes were a little too big. Like maybe we need to gear back just a little bit and find a, an appropriate place for you to engage this fast and learn the things that God wants you to learn. So adjust as needed. And if you've given into temptation, here's, here's a temptation from that is to go, I've blown it. I'm done. I guess I'm, I'm out of the fast. I guess I'm not going to learn anything. Not true. If you've given in, get right back on track. So just talk to God about it. God, I'm sorry. Gave in in that area. And don't allow that mistake to keep you from learning what God wants to teach you throughout the rest of this fast. So if you've gotten off track, get right back on track. Got another week to go. Now, today we are in week three of our Overcomer series. And today we're going to explore overcoming temptation, something that God wants all of us to overcome. And God believes that we all can overcome. It's something that all of us face. And God says, listen, I can help you overcome that if you rely on me. Uh, so that's what we're going to do today is we're going to explore that. Now, often when we think of temptation, we often think of things like lust, pornography, drugs, alcohol, gambling, maybe food issues even kind of creep into that for us. But this morning, I'd like to stretch our definition just a little bit. The reality is temptation can involve anything when we allow that thing to have more control over us than we allow God to have control over us. I mean, think about it this way. You can give in to temptations to even emotions. If you're a jealous person, you give in to jealousy, that's a temptation that you're giving into in that moment. When you give in to anger, if you deal with anger issues, in that moment, like you have a choice not to be angry and then you choose to be angry, you're giving in to temptation in that moment. If you battle with pride, the moment you give in to pride, you're giving in to temptation. The moment that we do, we all do this, but the moment we say, you know what, God, like, I got this. Like, I'm, I got a better plan than you do. The moment we say, I'm going to do it my way instead of your way, guess what? We're giving in to a temptation in that moment. So temptation is a much broader conversation than, than just the things that we normally think of. So today, as we walk through this message, what I want you to do is filter this message through your temptation. You may say, you know, I don't fully identify with the temptation you're talking about. Today, we're going we're gonna to explore temptation through the lens of lust. And you may say, that's not really my issue, but you have an issue. You have a temptation issue that you need to process this message through. So filter this message which in whatever way is appropriate for you. Now, today we're going to compare two stories in the Old Testament part of the Bible, which is part of the Bible written before the life of Jesus. So we're going to look at two guys that we would probably say, like, wow, I think I just heard that story at the office, or I think I just read about that on Facebook, or I think I just saw that on the news or something. So these stories, even though they, they were quite a long time ago, uh, we will be able to identify with them, I think, fully in some context. So we're going to look at the story of Joseph and the story of Samson today. So we're going to start with Joseph, all right? So let me tell you a little bit about Joseph. His story can be found in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. 
And Joseph lived around 1,900 years before Jesus was on planet Earth. So we're talking almost 4,000 years ago. And he lived in the Middle East. Uh, He lived in the area that we would know as modern-day Israel. And Joseph was the 11th son in his family, and he had 10 older half-brothers. And guess what? These older half-brothers hated him. They hated him with a passion. Genesis 37, verse 4, says his brothers hated Joseph because of their father, because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. There's a whole world of hurt in that one verse right there. And, and you may be able to identify with some elements of that in, in your family. But that wound that was created by Joseph's father led to some very painful events for Joseph himself. Joseph's brothers hated him so much, they sold him into slavery. And you thought you had family problems. They had some major problems in their family. So Joseph was taken uh, by some traders. He was bought by these traders. He was taken to Egypt and he was sold in Egypt, which was a land relatively far away for them. And he was sold to a guy named Potiphar. So Potiphar was the, uh, in Egypt, he was the captain of the guard for the Pharaoh. So a very important man and Joseph would not want to mess up in his household or he would pay for it most likely with his life. So that's the beginning of Joseph's story. Now, here's the beginning of Samson's story. Samson's story can be found in Judges 13 through 16. And again, today, we're going to be hitting the highlights of these stories. So I really encourage you to read through these stories later today or this week. There's some fascinating elements in their stories. Now, Samson lived around 1075 B.C., And he lived in a time frame where Israel had been freed from slavery in Egypt. So God had brought them out of Egypt. Um, And so Joseph's story is actually the beginning of all that. And years later after that, um, God had brought them out of slavery to Egypt, brought them to the promised land. And what would happen in the promised land is the Israelites, they first got there, they're worshiping God. God, thank you, you're so awesome. Thanks for freeing us from slavery. And then they would be tempted by another God. And they would go and worship that God. And when they did that, God would give them over to another nation that would put them into some form of slavery. And then years later, and and it all depended on the Israelites when they got to that moment where they said, like, we're done with this. We got to stop this. And they cried out to God for help. When they cried out to God for help, sincerely, God would respond. And in that time frame that that we're looking at, God would send what was known as a judge, And a judge would come and free the nation of Israel. So we looked at that with Gideon's story last week when that happened. So Gideon was a judge, and Samson is another judge that God used to free the nation of Israel. Now, Samson was known as a Nazarite. And a Nazarite was someone who voluntarily took a vow to be used by God in a special way, to be set apart from God. So if you think about in the context of of a pastor, maybe a priest, it's similar to that, but a Nazarite had many more unique rules that they had to follow, things like this. They couldn't drink any alcoholic beverages or have any food that was in line to become an alcoholic beverage. So they couldn't have raisins or grapes. And they couldn't eat certain forbidden foods. They couldn't touch any dead bodies, human or animal, and they couldn't cut their hair. Now, there was something very unique about Samson. 
God had given him superhuman strength. I mean, that set him apart from, from everyone else, all other Nazarites and all other people. He had this superhuman strength. And the secret to his strength was his hair. So as long as his hair was long, then he was strong. But the moment he allowed his hair to be cut, he would be as weak as, as anyone else around him. So when he was strong and his hair was looking great, you know, he was probably you know, one of those guys on commercial you know, for shampoo or conditioner or something with the flowing hair and swishing it all around. And it, you know, I used to have long hair, but it's just too much work. So <laughs> got rid of that. So Samson had this incredible strength, he had this really long hair, and he used his supernatural strength in several ways. So one day, he's walking down a path, and a lion comes out, and he kills the lion with his bare hands. So imagine, like, you're going to lunch one day, and a lion pops out, and you go, you're going down, your lunch. So, I mean, he had that strength. So he ripped the lion's jaws apart in that moment, like he was playing with a little lamb. He was so strong. And another day, he had an anger problem. You'll find out in the story. Um, so he picks up a jawbone of a donkey, and he kills 1,000 Philistine warriors. Now, the Philistines were the nation that had Israel in oppression at that time. So he killed 1,000 Philistine warriors with an old bone. I mean, so he defeated these guys. Another time he was angry at a group of people, so he took their huge city gates, lifted them off of their hinges, took them up on town and said, now figure out how to put that back. So he had some, you know, relational, social issues that he had to deal with in life. And he had this incredible strength, strongest man in the entire world, and he had one primary weakness. It was lust. See, Samson had a thing for beautiful women who couldn't be trusted. Judges 14.1 says, one day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a, Philistine, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Go get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry, they asked? Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get this classic statement, she looks good to me, so go get her. You think there's trouble in that statement? So Samson was a shallow, only out for one thing kind of guy. He was not interested in this young woman because she was the woman of his dreams. He wasn't interested in that. He just wanted to get married so he could have sex with a beautiful woman. And Samson was so lustful for this woman, he was willing to violate one of God's principles. You see, God told the Israelites, when you come into the promised land, I don't want you to intermarry with any other nation around, because here's what'll happen. You'll be tempted to worship their gods, and that's detestable to me, so don't do it. So in that moment, we have Samson here going, you know what, I don't care about that. The reality is he should not have even been in that town of Timnah. That was a Philistine-controlled area. He should not have been there. But he didn't care about that in that moment. All he cared about was pleasing himself. And that's what happens to us when we give in to sin, when we give in to our temptation. We don't care that much about God's desires. Yeah, I'll get to that later. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll get back on track with God later in that moment that we're walking away from God and his plan for us. And that's a path that leads to a whole lot of pain. Pain for us and pain for other people around us. Now, Samson's 
weakness to lust, led to his marriage ending before it really got started. So, so his parents figured this thing out, and, and they had this wedding celebration. Ceremony lasted seven days. And so during this seven-day wedding celebration, uh, Samson's new wife tricked him. And in his anger, he went out and killed 30 innocent men. So can you imagine your wedding day and your fiance like goes nuts? So his marriage ended before it ever really started. So these two guys, Joe and Sam, their stories don't start real well. And let's check back in with Joseph for just a moment. So here he is. He's in slavery. He's in Egypt, a place he doesn't want to be. And yet God decided to bless him there. Genesis 39.2 says, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. So Potiphar notices this. So he, he buys this slave, and he notices, like, everything this guy does, like, goes well. So this is really cool. So he puts him in charge of everything in his house. So it's kind of a risky move, but he's going, man, this, this is going awesome. Everything he does, he's kind of like got the Midas touch, turns to gold. So um, I'm just going to put him in charge of everything that I have around here. And, and Genesis 39, 6 says, with Joseph there, Potiphar didn't worry about a thing except what to eat. That's all he had to do at home. He's like, what am I going to eat today? Joseph's in charge. Things are going well. Potiphar's household was more prosperous than all the other households in, G in Egypt in that time frame. Verse 6 continues by saying, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Let's just pause here for a moment. Try to find yourself in the story. Okay, so you've been sold into slavery. Your, your family hates you. I mean, they hate you so much they sold you into slavery. Here you are in another nation, like working as a slave. And then you get this offer. What do you do in that situation? Guys, what would you do? You think, you know, everything's been taken from me everything. I've lost all my status. I've lost everything. Here I am, a slave. This may be the only pleasurable thing I may experience in my life again. What else do I have to lose? Not sure what you would do in that situation, but we'll see in a moment what Joseph decides. So we have two very handsome, well-built young men battling the same issue a temptation for lust. We have Joseph who's been thrust into this scenario. And we have Samson who went looking for this temptation. Now, whether we go looking for temptation or temptation finds us, the Bible says it comes from the exact same place. So listen to what it says in James chapter one. Starting verse 12, it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, we all need to remember this. And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me, because God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So the primary source of temptation in our lives is not something out there. It's something in here. 
It happens inside of us. We are enticed by our own desires and they lead us in a path that leads towards death. Now here's the reality of temptation from God's perspective. Being tempted isn't a sin. Being tempted is not a sin. But giving into that temptation is. That's where the problem happens. See, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are. Now, now get that. Jesus was tempted in every way that we are. There is not a temptation that you will face that Jesus has not already faced, that Jesus has not already defeated. There's not a temptation that Jesus goes, oh, that's a new one. Wow, haven't, haven't seen that one before. So you will not discover a temptation in your life that Jesus has not already faced and has not already defeated. So when we're tempted, God isn't concerned about the temptation. Temptation is just as much an opportunity to do right as it is to do wrong. When temptation comes, you have a choice. I can do right with this or I can do wrong with this. So it's just as much as like 50-50, flip a coin. You can do right or wrong. It's up to you. So God's not as concerned about the temptation that comes as he is with what we do with that temptation. And he says, listen, if you're a Christ follower, I've placed my spirit within you. My Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You have all the resources you need to become an overcomer in that moment. You can overcome that. Now listen to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Uh, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So anytime we face our temptation, anytime, whatever it is, lust, food, greed, anger, jealousy, whatever, God will provide a way out for us. Always. There's always a way out. If we look around, we'll see a door open, a window open, something. There's a way out of every tempting situation that we find ourselves in. And Romans 8, 12 says, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. We just don't have to. Like when there's that draw from inside of us to go do that thing, we don't have to to do it. Again, if you're a Christ follower, God has has placed his spirit inside of you. And that's why we have our theme verse that says, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. So he says, you have all the resources you need to defeat that temptation. When temptation comes, we have to look for those ways out that God is going to provide. Now, let's see if Joseph can find a way out of this tempting situation that he's in. He's got Potiphar. His wife has come and demanded that he have sex with her. And what is he going to do? In Genesis 39, 8, Joseph refused. And guys are going, what? He did what? How did he do that? Well, he said, no. Look, he told her. My father trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. So in this extremely tempting moment, Joseph keeps his eyes locked on God and God alone and says, listen, I'm not doing this. This would hurt my relationship with God. There's no way. There's no way. Man, I, my, my boss 
has entrusted to me all of, of his home. And I could never do this. I couldn't hurt my boss. I couldn't hurt my God. No, I couldn't do this. He had this incredible God perspective in a moment where he could have rationalized away and ended up in this sin. Now it gets more interesting. Verse 10 It says, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. So he said no, and she's going, I'm not taking your no. She kept putting pressure on him again and again and again, and she was relentless. She wanted to wear him down. She was hoping that one moment she would catch him in that weak moment, and she'd be able to to convince him to give up on his values, to give up on his God. I mean, it's not that big a deal. Look at your situation. So she was working on him relentlessly, and that's what temptation does to all of us. It slowly works on us, minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day. And and if we're not determined, like Joseph was in that moment, if we're not determined, like I could not do that. No, I'm not doing that. If we don't have that kind of mental perspective, guess what? Minute after minute, day after day, hour after hour, temptation pushes up against us. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves going down this slippery slope of rationalization And then we find ourselves giving in to a temptation that we know we do not want to give in to, that we know will lead to a very sad place. So in verse 10, uh, it says that she kept putting pressure on him day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. So this is a fantastic strategy that, that Joe has here in this moment. So he's got this incredible temptation, and one of the ways he deals with it is he just stays away from her. He didn't see how close he could get to her. He didn't see how many opportunities he could enjoy her presence. He just simply tried to stay away from her as much as possible. Now, this was her house, so I'm sure he couldn't stay away from her all the time, but as much as possible, he stayed away from her. So guess what? Guys, there are some women you need to stay away from, period. Like at work? Yep. At the gym? Yep. At the store? Yep. And you know who they are. But there's some women that you just need to go, she's bad. I'm staying away. Ladies, there are some men around you that you need to stay away from. You just need to determine, I'm going to avoid them as much as possible. Maybe you work with them. Maybe you got to be around them. Maybe you can't avoid them at all costs. But maybe you just need to go, I'm just going to stay away from them as much as possible. They're just not good for me in my relationship with God. Now, staying away from bad people or bad situations was not a really good thing for Samson. Samson really didn't care about that. And so we're going to check in with Samson for a moment. So his marriage uh, went horribly wrong. And later, he fell in love with another Philistine woman named Delilah. Again, he should have avoided the Philistine women. But here he is again in this love relationship. He thinks it's love with this woman named Delilah. And the the Philistine rulers, the leaders, they find out about it. And so they go to Delilah and go, listen, we'll make you a deal. Since Samson has this thing for you, here's what we want you to do. Entice him to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, the word entice here means to entrap, to lure, or to hook. 
And that's exactly what she did. I mean, she was, went fishing and she hooked him and she drew him in. The reality was that she didn't really love him. She was just using him to get rich. And Judges 16, 16 says, Delilah tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Like she wore him down. And finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair's never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. And then verse 19 says, Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. And in this way, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. Verse 21 says, and she called in the Philistines and they came in and they tied him up. He was as weak as any other man. It didn't take too many of them. And they tied him up and guess what they did next? They gouged his eyes out. First thing they did, they gouged his eyes out, put him in prison, put him in chains and made him grind grain like an animal. So day after day, what Samson did was he just walked around pushing a grinding stone to grind grain as a blind man now in prison for the rest of his life. You see, sin had enticed him. It had trapped him, it had hooked him, and it had led him towards his death. And that's what temptation does for all of us. It promises satisfaction and fulfillment. Like when we're tempted by that thing, I mean, it promises to, to fulfill our desires. In that moment, we're thinking that maybe this is it. And then we all know you give into that thing and you find out that sin always overpromises and underdelivers. It happens for all of us and it leads to a, a path that leads to the same sad, lonely place that it always leads to. Sin never leads any place new. So Samson didn't have to end up there. He didn't have to end up in that place. I mean, he could have avoided the Philistine women altogether, and he could have lived a very different life. But remember, Samson went looking for trouble, and he found it. And we've got Joseph, on the other hand, who was forced into it. He wasn't looking for it, and it found him. And we're going to check back in with Joseph for just a moment. Now, if you're familiar with Joseph's story, you know that his refusal to his boss's wife didn't go very well. Um, one day, she found him alone, and she said, here's my chance. This is my opportunity. She went up, she grabbed him again and, and demanded that he sleep with her. And so this time he goes, oh, wow, I'm stuck. I mean, we're here alone. This is bad. And so what, what Joseph decides to do in this moment, he says, I'm out of here. He takes off running. So he just runs and leaves. He leaves his shirt behind. So here she is standing, holding his shirt, and he's running down the street shirtless uh, because he's got to get out of here in this moment. And 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So in this moment, Joseph created a way out of this scenario. He didn't rationalize and say, I'm trapped, I'm cornered. I, I guess she got me. You know, I, like I held her off for as long as I could. And then I guess she got me. No, he goes, I'm creating a way out and I'm running to, to make it happen. And that's the kind of drastic measure that God wants us to take when we're battling that type of temptation. 
See, if your temptation is a sexual sin, here's what God says. Run, Forrest, run. <laughs> run as fast as you can, as far as you can. Don't flirt with that thing. Just run away. And, and, and at the moment, like we don't fully understand what happens with sexual sin. It, 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 the Bible says it, you know, it's a little different than a lot, a lot of other sins because it's a sin against your own body. But sexual sin leads to a breakdown in our relationship with God. It leads to a deterioration in our important relationships around us. I mean, it, it leads to a very sad future for us and the people that we love. It's like a cancer that just eats us away from the inside. And that's why God says, just run as far away as you can. Now, even when we do the right thing, we don't always get rewarded for it. You see, when Joseph's boss came home, his wife lied to him and said, you know that slave that you bought? Like, he tried to rape me, and I have his shirt as proof. And so Potiphar was furious, and they found Joseph, and they threw him in prison. And he sat in prison for two years in a dungeon in Egypt. And, and I read that and think, that, that's not fair. Like, come on. I mean, here he is trying to stay loyal to God and stay loyal to his, his new boss even and he gets thrown in prison. But even in prison, God had a plan. Even in your life, when, when you do the right thing and you don't get rewarded for it, in that moment, God has a plan in your scenario as well. You see, doing the right thing is always the right thing to do, regardless of the temporary consequences that we might face in that moment. The right thing is always the right thing to do. Now, here's how God ultimately honored Joseph. Again, we're fast-forwarding all of this story. But after two years in prison, God took Joseph from the dungeons of Egypt and put him in the number two position in all of the land. The only person that was more powerful than him was Pharaoh. So it was Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and then Joseph. Can you imagine how Potiphar and his wife must have felt after that? I mean, an awkward role, of, uh, role reversal there in that moment. So God honored Joseph for staying determined to follow him regardless of the cost. And God will do the same for you. God will honor you if you do the right thing. And it may not happen today, but God will ultimately reward you for following him. Again, James 1 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, God was working out a much bigger story in Joseph's story in that moment. You see, God was working this thing out so that he could resolve that family conflict. And he brought their family back together and healed those wounds. And God was doing something even bigger than Joseph could ever understand through that journey. And I encourage you to, to read that later. It's found in Genesis 42 through 46, amazing elements of his story. Now, here's how Samson's story ended. The Philistines threw a huge party to celebrate their God. They're saying, hey, look, we're so powerful. Our God is so great. And in the drunken stupor, they say, bring out Samson, you know, that, that old you know, warrior of that other God. Bring him out so we can make fun of him. And they put Samson, remember he's blind, they put him between two pillars that hold the roof up of the building that they're in. There's thousands of Philistines there in that moment. So they're making fun of him and they put him right between these two pillars. Samson figures out where he is and he says, God, 
Here's my final prayer. Would you give me back my strength so I can push these pillars over and kill these Philistines that are here, these Philistines that hate you and hate your people? And God answered his prayer and gave him strength in that moment. And with his strength, he pushed these pillars over. And the Bible says 3,000 Philistines died in that moment. Now, the path that Samson walked led to his death. But God had forgiven Samson. And God had heard his prayer. And Samson was able to reconnect with God, even though it was here kind of at this last moment of his life, he was able to reconnect with God in that moment. And, And even when we blow it, Even when we mess up, we can be restored to our relationship with God. And it's possible to be restored with other people. You see, our God is a God of second chances. He grants do-overs. He wants to forgive us and empower us to live beyond the temptations that hold us back. Again, he says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So he says, it's possible. No matter how much you've messed up, it's possible to get back on track with me again. Now, in closing, I have a few thoughts from our stories today. Number one, live like Joseph, not like Samson. Don't go looking for sin. You just might find it and end up with your eyes gouged out. Number two, when temptation finds you, run from it. Don't see how close you can get to it. Like, don't try to mess with fire because one day you will get burned and you'll regret that. God will always provide a way out. Look for it and take it when God provides those those ways out. Number three, if you've already given in to temptation, take God's offer for a second or third or a hundredth chance again. Take God's offer for a do-over. Confess that sin to him. Come to him and say, I've blown it. I've messed up. And then start again, create new boundaries, new patterns in your life. Avoid that woman at work. Stay away from that man at the gym. You know, set up some online accountability. Delete those the Facebook friends that maybe aren't that good for you. Maybe delete your Facebook account altogether if you need to. You might even need to make some new friends. Because reality for all of us is you probably have some friends that lean you in a direction away from God. And maybe you need to create some new friends that'll help you lean in a direction towards God. God's offering you a do-over, so take it. Number four, admit your temptation to others who can help you. We all need help to overcome temptation in our lives. Temptation is strong, we can't do it alone. So we need God's help and we need the help of other people. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. We need help. We need resources. We need people. I've got some men in my life that are my help. They help me battle temptation on a consistent basis. You need people like that in your life. That's one of the reasons we do small groups around here. I encourage you to get connected in one of our small groups. Get connected in one of our community groups. If you're just new to, new to us, you haven't started a small group yet, go sign up for Starting Point today and, and begin to understand what community is all about. We need each other in order to defeat the temptation that's in our life. And I know some of you are going, I would never want anybody to know this secret that I hold. And if that's true, here's the deal. You're making it stronger. 
Every time you hold that secret and keep it, uh, keep it a secret and, and keep it in the shadows, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The moment you bring it out into the light of God's truth and you tell someone else who you can trust that will point you towards Jesus, its power is lessened. You get stronger, it gets weaker. So we need each other in order to become overcomers. So my prayer for all of us is that we will live like Joseph, we'll run from temptation, We'll start over when we fail and we'll invite others to help us become the overcomers that God wants us to be. Now, as we close today, in just a minute, our uh, worship team's gonna come out and they're gonna close us in a final song. And here's what I want you to do during this song. I want you to determine your next step. What do you need to do? What temptation are you gonna face either later today, later this week, later this month? And you need to determine right now how you're gonna live. You need to decide like Joseph, this is how I'm gonna live when that thing comes along. You don't need to decide in that moment. In that moment, what should I do? No, decide before you hit that moment, and then it'll be easier when you're in that moment of temptation. Um, we're going to sing this closing song today. That's a, it's kind of an old hymnal, if, if you understand hymnals, if you're used to that. Um, it's called Come Thou Fount, and it's one of my favorite hymnal songs because it's an honest song about our tendency to wander away from God and when we were walking away from God, he came after us. And so as we sing this song, what I encourage you to do is just have an honest conversation with God as well. Like if you've wandered away from God, today would be a wonderful time to come back to him and just admit, like I've wandered away from you. Will you forgive me? And I'll take that do-over and he will grant it for you and determine what you need to do today as you head out towards that temptation that awaits you. Let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful for stories like Joseph and Samson's stories. Uh, those stories, Lord, are, are so applicable to us today, and it happened thousands of years ago. And Lord, there are moments we can go, yeah, the Bible's kind of old, but Lord, when you read those stories, it's like, wow, that's our, our stories today. That's some of the stuff that people are dealing with today. And Lord, we need help. All of us have a temptation Lord, maybe people here today say, well, I don't really battle temptation to lust, but everybody has a temptation. Everybody gives in to something that we shouldn't give in to. And Lord, you want to help us to become overcomers and you want to empower us to live lives beyond that temptation, that thing that's holding us back. Because 1 John 4, 4, you've placed inside of us the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So we do not have to give in to temptation. We do not have to look at ourselves as victims. We can see ourselves the way that you see us as overcomers. So Lord, I pray for all of us as, as we go through this song today and as we head into this week and we're, we're gonna face our temptation. It's coming, we know it. I pray today that we would determine to live like Joseph. That whenever temptation comes, we wouldn't rationalize, we wouldn't try to decide what we should do, but we would just run. We would run to you for the strength that we need. And I pray that, Lord, some folks here today would get active in a small group, get connected in relationships that'll strengthen them, where they have the resources to call someone in that moment of need and say, hey, I need some help, I need some backup where we can come along inside of each other and pray for each other, encourage each other so that we can overcome these temptations, Lord. Lord, as this song says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. 
Lord, here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. So Lord, today we give you our hearts. We ask you to seal them and strengthen us as overcomers. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name's Tim Jones and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. You guys are a lively bunch. Uh, if I've, Look at that. That's amazing. If I'm not too lively, it's because I am on no sleep. Uh, we had our little one uh, last week, so thanks you guys so much. Yep, so Caleb is here and uh, Sarah is doing well, so thank you guys so much for all your encouraging words and posts on Facebook and everything and checking in on us. Well, uh, today, just a quick reminder, if you are interested in our international trips, the deadline for going on to Guatemala is this week in terms of turning in your applications. So if you haven't filled out your application, go on to our website, download the application at theepicchurch.com, and you have till Friday, uh, January 31st, to turn in your application. And so if you've been waiting, hey, this is the week. Don't delay. Let's do it. Um, so it'll direct you where to send those applications as well as to a certain email address once you fill that out uh, for that. And then for those of you who are interested in jumping into our small group environments, today right after the service is our starting point intro. And so if you haven't been in any of our group environments, we'd love for everybody to jump into starting point first. And so right after the service, on this side of the curtains, there's a teacher's lounge. We'd love for you to come uh, over there after the service to find out more about Starting Point. It's about a 15-minute intro meeting. You can find out uh, about Starting Point. You can have the opportunity to actually sign up for a group. If you have children, go ahead and get your child first, then bring them on into the meeting. Uh, that is totally fine for you to be able to do that. And Starting Point is simply our 10-week conversational small group environment where you begin to experience or explore the story of God and begin to experience community, and it's a great place to start to belong. And so we'd love for you to jump into that. If you've been through Starting Point, we'd love for you to jump into a community group. And so on February 9th, uh, that's a Sunday, in two weeks uh, from today, uh, yeah, two weeks, there we go, uh, there is uh, the opportunity for you to join a men's, women's, or couples community group. And so we'd love for you to stop by uh, the table next to the tech table here. Uh, if you would like to sign up to pre-register to let us know that you are interested in joining a group, what type of group, so we know how many people we uh, are expecting for that, and then come out February 9th to be able to join a group that evening. And then if you are a... A uh, middle school student or a high school student or a parent of a middle school student or high school student, we have a new way of communication for you. There's a card on your seat. And uh, pick up that card. And on that card, uh, we have a texting service. So if you want to know what's going on, the events that are happening, uh, when they're meeting, what's going on with Surge, just follow them via text. And so just text Epic Surge to that number. You can put it in your phones right now. You're allowed to do that. And so go ahead and subscribe to that so that you know what's going on with Surge and be able to follow what's, when they're meeting, what they're doing, and all the crazy things that they do as well. And then um, if you call Epic your home, um, we love to encourage everyone to give of their time, talents, and their resources in doing what God wants us to do, which is impact this community and impact the lives that come into Epic as well. And so there's two ways that you can give of your resources. You can give uh, online at theepicchurch.com or give at the uh, end of each row. 
uh, through the giving boxes as well. Well, today we are continuing in our series, Overcomer. And so before we begin the series, let us uh, just pray before we dive into the message. So Father, uh, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you are a great overcomer, that you came here to die for us. And through that, you've set us free. And so, Father, when we uh, look to you, you desire for each one of us, whether we know you or not, to become an overcomer. And so that might be a new concept for some of us. It might be a concept that we need to be reminded of. And so, Father, would you just speak to our hearts? Would you show us what you want us to learn today? And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.